What's up, boys? It's Trenton. I'm here today joined by Cole and Nick. Say what's up, boys. What's up? How you doing, fellas? So it's been a while since we last talked. Cole and Aaron were giving you the rundown on the rules for auction last time. Since then, a lot has happened, both inside the NFL and inside the MFL. Starting with some signings today. Cole, you want to take us through the signings today? Yeah, so a lot happened today. It's March 15th on a Sunday. We had Clay Campbell get traded to the Ravens for a fifth-round pick, and he agreed on a two-year, $27 million contract extension. And that fifth-round pick actually was, I don't remember the uh, the dude's name. It was the kicker the Ravens signed. Yeah, signed him in the preseason. He performed well, went to Minnesota, fifth-round pick. So they turned a kicker into Calais Campbell a year later. Not a bad investment. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill signed with the Titans. For all you Titans fans, obviously, I'm sure you're aware at this point. Four-year, $118 million, 62 mil guaranteed, so they're locking him up. I'm sure they'll get Henry next year. They've been salary-dumping players over the last few days, including Deion Lewis. New England re-signed Devin McCourty to a two-year, 32 mil contract extension as well, so they're shoring up their defense a little bit. Now they just got to get some playmakers and see if they can bring back Tom Brady. So even though we got COVID-19 ravaging the world, the NFL league gear is still starting on time, so there's that. We just have to hope the draft doesn't get delayed. And with the uh, the new CBA, it was reported this morning on Sunday, the 15th, as I had mentioned, that the uh, CBA players voted yes, uh, 1,019 to 959. So it was really, really close. And what that means, essentially, the main points are going to be that in 2021, there's going to be 14 playoff teams instead of the current format with 12. And only one team will get a buy in each conference. And then there's going to be 17 games in the regular season. So we basically get an extra week of fantasy from next year heading on 2021. Can you so, imagine the Chiefs having to play an extra game? That's wild, bro. I can't even, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Honestly, like it's cool that we'll get more football. But at the same time, a lot of these big name players are super pissed that they got to head in for another week. The, the best tweet I've seen so far was, um, Stephon Gilmore tweeted out that he's going to have to, instead of getting four massages weekly, get six from now on so that he can play an extra game. Yeah, it's a lot. It's going to be interesting <laughs> to see who they play, uh, structure the schedule-wise, who the extra game's going to be. Yeah, they'll probably end up just doing each, uh, like one year the AFC will have to get an extra home game or the NFC will have to get an extra home game due to the 17-game slate now. Yeah. So who knows what they're going to do. It'll be a unique and definitely a change for all of us. I'm sure it'll take us forever to get used to. Like we'll have trouble getting used to the Las Vegas Raiders instead of the Oakland Raiders. There's a lot of crap going down. Speaking of, before we start getting into the meat of the pod, did you guys see the new supposed uh LA Rams logo that got posted on Twitter? It leaked I did out. Not. Dude, it looks I did not. It, it's like a pseudo Chargers logo. <laughs> the Ramgers. Yeah, dude, it's freaking weird. I don't know. You guys uh, take a look at that if you didn't know about that because that's something that you'll look at and just be a little confused. They're like the Chargers 2.0 with that logo, so hopefully it doesn't go through. It's going to be the Chargers playing in the Rams stadium anyway for years to come. So they might as well get used to being the Clippers of the 2000s. <laughs> Rip. So moving forward... We have trades in the league, some recent trades starting at the end of February um, involving Cole. 
one of your co-hosts here, giving away Raheem Mosert and receiving Jordan Howard and a 2021 round two draft pick from Ryan. Cole, just talk a little bit about that and what was going through your head. I just wanted to get Mostert off the books. Um, To be honest with you, completely transparently, I am terrified that they are going to take a running back. I'm no... I know that they're probably not going to because they have other holes that they need to fill, and they were a really good rushing team last year, that being San Francisco. But I didn't want to have one of those guys on my roster that has, throughout his entire career, pretty much been an afterthought. I mean, he's a good player. It clearly shows on the field that he's got really good burst and he's got crazy speed, but he is getting a little bit older. And he has a lot of upside for next year, so maybe he does ball out for Ryan here for a little bit, but the age kind of scared me off, and I'm content to get more draft picks and uh, stick with Jordan Howard because I feel like he's been decent throughout his career thus far, and he'll probably stick somewhere. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, ends up signing with Houston. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it for both sides. I can kind of see the logic behind why Ryan wanted to acquire Moser and why you wanted to get rid of him for picks. So it makes sense for both of you. Um, the next trade is Ryan again gave up Travis Kelsey and Minka Fitzpatrick your 2021 round one draft pick and Joey gave up John Brown George Kittle in the year 2021 round two draft pick Uh, Kelsey ended up being moved on in some later action that we'll talk about but this first trade initially Nick what did you think about it I liked it I thought it was pretty even both ways that first definitely kind of evens out uh kelsey's age consideration when you're getting kittle and john brown yeah overall i think it benefits both teams kind of looking at what they're trying to do with their squads cool your thoughts yeah my thoughts were uh eventually i was gonna attempt to get kittle in this league but now i know he has been returned home to iowa we'll never see him on my roster (laughs) so uh ryan i am just curious what your price would be on kittle going forward if you want to put that in the group when you hear this pod i know that i'm probably not going to be able to get him he is one of my favorite players but he is he said back home in glorious iowa so uh, congratulations to you on getting your mans back on the squad it wouldn't be a pod without cole trying to hustle a trade in the middle of it so i appreciate the effort Bro, look, I've gotten two of my three favorite NFL players that are not from my favorite team. <laughs> I got Fournette from you, gracious enough to uh, trade me Fournette. And then I got Keenan Allen last year. So two of my big three are on my roster, and I won't ever be able to secure the third player. So the, uh, the <laughs> Trinity is dead. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, think, I think at the end of the day, you got two good players out of it. So sometimes you can't get everything you want. Yeah, you're right, dude. It's life. Speaking of everything you want, Travis Kelsey didn't want on Ryan's team much longer. Um, or I'm sorry, Joey's team much longer because Joey ended up giving up Travis Kelsey and Teddy Bridgewater in acquiring the first pick in this year's draft and Ian Thomas on the side from our newest member, Riley, the Bedford Bisons. So obviously the first pick in the draft was given up here, so I'd like to hear both your inputs. Uh, Nick, what did you think? Um, I thought maybe the value wasn't quite there with uh, Kelsey. Uh, that 101 has a tremendous amount of value at this point in the year. 
But clearly Riley saw a big hole in his roster at tight end, and he felt the need to fulfill it. Tight end is not very good this year when it comes to rookies, so it does make sense in that point. But perhaps holding on a little longer might have got a little more bang for his buck. Cool. Yeah, I think it was a uh, a really good move for Joey, and I mean Riley did secure that uh, tight end that he desperately wanted, and Teddy Bridgewater is probably going to end up being a starter somewhere next year, so you get value out of both those players. Now, Ian Thomas is a sneaky buy low for Joey, so that was a good move, and then the one on one, we'll just have to wait and see what it's going to be because Joey's uh, looking towards wide out at the moment. We'll have to see if he's going to trade that away or stick with it because that pick could go pretty much anywhere. There's just so many good players in the upcoming draft. Yeah, once again, it's another trade. I see both sides, two teams trying to do different things. Um, I think I, I think Travis Kelsey for one ones are pretty decent value, and then you got Thomas and Bridgewater on the side, even it out even better. It's all in all a good trade. Um, our last trade, our most recent trade, was a little less climatic. But Atlantis Sharks gave up one six for Aaron's one ten and a twenty twenty two seven as well. So just obviously a pretty good value trade there. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? It's not a bad move uh, for Aaron. I mean, it's not a bad move for Jabir either. I mean, Jabir gets to move up four picks, and there, like I said, there's obviously a high like top end to this class, but it's very deep throughout. So it's a smart move. For both of them, because Jabir needs those quality players on his roster. He's kind of starved for really good wideouts outside of A.J. Brown at the moment. So he'll probably be able to grab two good wideouts if he chooses to there, because we know he's going to take Jerry Judy most likely. And then Aaron, there's something wrong with stocking up on more picks and get more quality players across the board as well. So it's a pretty good swap for both sides. Makes sense. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, I feel like there's a bit of a drop-off after the first seven or six picks so getting in those top six seven is really good for Jabir to get the more impactful player and as for yeah San Diego Aaron's definitely stockpiling it makes sense because he'll probably be grabbing a couple running backs to uh, add depth with Miles Sanders there and create a powerhouse of a team then getting wide receivers later with those later picks kind of scared this season for that it's cool to see moves like this, though, too, when you just see draft pick moves just swaps back and forth. For me, I don't know. It's just uh, it makes you feel like there's a lot going on in the league when you see something small like that just in the background. Yeah, just yep. excited for the draft, honestly. Yeah, Aaron loves his draft picks, so anytime there's two for one, you know, it's going to go down. Absolutely. So moving on. Um, we're going to do a little segment for you. We're going to have our Nick, Cole, and I are going to run through our three favorite auction moves. But before we get to the auction, because that's going to be the bulk of the pod, we just wanted to um, talk about the RFA experience a little bit and just get Cole and Nick's input, mine as well, on how we thought the cuts went, if it was difficult, more difficult than you thought it would be, if it was easier than you thought it would be. I thought it was a really enjoyable experience. You, outside of Dynasty, and I mean, not even with all Dynasty leagues, you don't have to make cuts like this, but it's something that a lot of us have never had to do before with fantasy. It forces you to take a step back and take a look at your roster and see where you think you're thin. And 
it was just a really fun experience. I would I didn't really find anybody that I had uh, a lot of trouble cutting. Like I I've advocated to Aaron before, and I'm gonna probably bring it up again at some point whenever we uh, talk about potential world changes. But I think we should be forced to cut more personally, because then you get the more players you get in the uh, pool, the more interesting it becomes, and you get even higher bidding more. It's just it's it's different because you don't get this experience in a redraft. It's, your teams are reset every year in a redraft, obviously, and free agency just kind of makes you feel like you're more of an owner like you had mentioned before we started filming here trent you just have that feeling of being in control of your roster and you have control of your own destiny and it's it's cool to be able to spend all that money on the players you want and just get into these little bidding wars with people and make little backdoor trades and it's it's just a good experience i, I had a lot of fun with it um yeah i really enjoyed it uh it was a bit of a crunch trying to pare down the team to that 40 players, but I think the players that I gained at the end were make me a little happier about what I lost. Um, there's a lot of heavy bidding at the very start. Definitely was a bit of a crunch. Everything was exciting, and it's kind of petered off for the most part now that uh, the bigger names have gone. But overall, it's a great addition to the offseason. Like, otherwise, there'd just be one big gap in between the end of the season and uh, this draft here for us to just kind of dink around and trade. So, yeah, overall, happy with its addition. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I actually didn't realize how many guys I even had on my roster due to IR last season, so I had to cut 12 guys. So, I mean, that made it fun. I think a lot of people actually had to cut 12 guys. Um, but all in all, like Cole had said, you get to control your team. It was a fun process. I didn't really find myself struggling to cut anyone. Uh, maybe having to cut more players would make it a little more difficult. And because I mean, for the most part, you could get some of the guys you cut, but still wanted to t- take a chance on back in the auction uh, for pretty cheap. Bro, honestly, I feel like we should move it to thirty-five. Let's make everyone go crazy. Yeah, that'd be a lot. It might sound like a meme, but honestly, though, that would be pretty cool because then you start to really cut into the guys that actually have some appeal because like a lot of these guys didn't really get bought and uh, everybody made pretty good cuts to their rosters. But if you started to cut in a little bit more, maybe even to like 38, then you see players that are potentially valuable and it could just be a little bit more fun. That's just my two cents, but it was it was a good time. Excited to do it again next year. I was gonna say I would think the low I would go would be like maybe thirty, like forty-eight to thirty. That'd be it. I think that wouldn't be too bad. Thirty, man, that's thin. <laughs> but I don't know. So anyway, moving on to the auction experience. Um, as mentioned before, Nick and Cole and myself put together our three favorite auction moves. Um, so. Cole, if you want to go ahead and let the listeners know your top three. All right, so we went through, as he said, and just picked what our three favorite were based off price and uh, overall just being sneaky with uh, the pickups and no one else grabbing them. So two of my three picks were actually uh, Knicks players that he chose to grab, one of them being Joss Oliver from uh, Jacksonville, the tight end. He didn't really play too much last year. He got hurt, but $22 for uh, the rookie who showed some upside before he got drafted in his uh, – combine and high draft stock in the third round i think he could be a good buy for 22 dollars 
Jaden Graham also, he grabbed the Atlanta tight end. He's also probably a good buy as Austin Hooper is going to be out the door here soon. And getting a player for that cheap that could potentially be a starting tight end next year is a really, really good value for $1. So that's a pretty awesome buy as well. And then we have Jacoby Myers. I think that Jacoby Myers showed well in the preseason last year. He didn't really get to do too much in the regular season. Still had 359 yards and 29 catches last year, but the Patriots were kind of a mess on offense. And coming into his second year, he's got more play time and he's got kind of an idea of how to function in the NFL. So he could take a step forward and it would be pretty insane if he overtakes Nikhil Harry on the depth chart because he did have a better season overall than Nikhil Harry did. But I think he could be a pretty good buy for $8. I mean, I know that Devin cut him and then picked him back up, but there is, at least for me, some interest in that player. I think he's going to be a pretty solid pro. Yeah, Cole, I agree. All three solid auction bid pickups. Nick, go ahead and moving forward, you want to talk about your three favorite? Yeah, to start off, my three, uh, I like the Jared Stidham pickup for $1. Uh, There's definitely a lot of potential there. Uh, It's Tom Brady's backup. Who knows, it's probably all smoke and mirrors. He'll probably be back for another season in New England, but uh, from there on, he's definitely worth the $1 flyer at that price. Uh, my second was Jay Sternberger with the Wildfire picking him up for 62 bucks. Obviously, that's one of the heftier prices paid on players this year, but uh, that Green Bay Packer offense could use some that Green Bay Packer offense could use some more uh, weapons, and uh, as long as they don't sign another tight end this offseason with his draft stock and his opportunity that he'll probably get, uh, that's definitely another flyer worth taking. And then to round it all out, I have Richard Higgins. Uh, Aaron picked him for up for $6. Uh, he kind of got hidden on the Browns last year with them being a big pile of poo. But uh, <laughs> um, he's definitely somebody with a fair bit of talent. If they were to actually turn out a really good offense this year, like people expected last year, put all those pieces together, he could put up some respectable numbers there and potentially move on somewhere else in the next couple of years to do some real damage. Yeah, all three solid signings. Um, I do like the Rashard Higgins back to Aaron, six bucks. I think he has potential there in Cleveland as long as they keep feeding him the ball. Um, my top three were for five dollars. Josh Rosen, Nick acquired him. Um, I think it's just worth the five dollar investment. Kind of a flyer, but still a young quarterback um, with potential and could potentially be the guy in Miami. Um, they may build a better team around him. If not. They take Tua, and Josh Rosen was a $5 loss for Nick, so be it. Uh, second was Ryan, the $2 on Taysom Hill. Kind of another flyer, but with Bridgewater being out of New Orleans, most likely um, he'll be Drew Brees' backup for now, and he's going to be a guy that's always on the field and can score from multiple, posi- multiple positions. Uh, and then my favorite pickup was Cole, $10 for Justin Jackson. Um, some maybe uncertainty in the Chargers' backfield. The future uncertain for Melvin Gordon may be out of there. Uh, Eckler is a stud, but could still be running a two running back system with Jackson and Eckler if Gordon were to leave. 
and honorable mention is Cole to Los Angeles. So RIP Phoenix. <laughs> Welcome to your your new city. You're like Mookie Betts and David Price. It just got too move. hot, bro. Yeah. So a uh, new look for Cole this year. Make sure you check out his new logo when that's done. So now that we're done talking about the auction and the free agency experience that all of us had, we're going to transition into our final segment of the episode, which is who are your top three teams in the league projected for next year? So we'll start with Trent. Who do you think is going to ball so hard next year? So my top three teams for 2020 are the Spiders, the Ducks, and the Wendigos. I think all three teams proved themselves last season. Um, Nick kind of had was lower on the standings, but had the same record as everyone in the division. Daniel won his division, and the Spiders obviously are home. So I think you got to keep them there as the dominant force. And Dan is coming back as a returning division champ. And Nick has a very good wide receiver core and just a solid team. So those are my top three. Yeah, my top three would have to be the Paladins, the Grovers, and the Wildfire. Um, I like the all of the draft capital that Aaron has on the Paladins there. His wide receiver core is already pretty stacked. And once he adds some running backs in this draft class, as long as they can hit, which we're kind of expecting them to, uh, it's going to be a dangerous team. Uh, the Grovers... Uh, Dylan already has a solid team. He made it. What did he make it to the finals last year? Yep. Second yep. place. Yeah. And it's really no reason to think otherwise this coming season. Zeke's still there. David Montgomery probably could take another step up. I don't see him being neutral. And then that wide receiver core is deadly as well. Yeah. That is another team that I like. And then with the wildfire. Another wide receiver heavy group. I'm liking the Fournette and Aaron Jones tandem at running back and then the depth there with Duke Johnson, Jackson, and uh, Howard. Uh, Yeah, those are just three teams that I'm looking forward to uh, seeing destroy the league next year. And for me, I'm going to go with the same two as you, the Grovers and Paladins. I think that the Grovers, just like you said, their receiving core is pretty bonkers next year, of course, again as well. And then the Paladins with all that draft capital, I don't think there's any way that he's going to mess up with that many picks. Plus, he knows what he's doing as well. So we will watch Aaron have a bit of a comeback next year in the win-loss column. And then my last pick is going to be Devin's team. Those running backs on his team are pretty wild still, even though Carson is injured. You bring him back next year at some point because he's probably not going to be ready for training camp. Hopefully training camp doesn't get postponed because of the coronavirus, but we should be good. But uh, Chris Carson coming back is going to be good. Dalvin Cook, Melvin Gordon, Josh Jacobs, and then we'll have to just have to wait and see what happens with Rashad Penny. I don't think he's going to be a bust player, but Chris Carson has to either find his way out or Penny has to find his way out for that to work out. But that running back core is pretty solid, and then wide receivers are decent for him. We'll just have to see if Kenny Galladay can carry again. But I do like Devin's team. So, magicians, Grovers, paladins, and we are—we're uh, all excited to go for next year. Though we'll just have to wait and see how the draft goes. I know that everybody here is ready for it. I'm guessing that you guys on the uh, 
listening in here are also ready for the draft, so we're hoping it doesn't get pushed back. You know, with all this crazy stuff going on with the coronavirus, it's possible that it does get pushed back like a week or two or they do something different with it, but hopefully it doesn't move. Yeah, COVID-19 is really messing things up, but be safe. Wash your hands. We don't want any dirty boys in this For real, bro. <laughs> but now thank you guys for uh, joining us again here. We'll have another pod coming at you probably post-draft, and uh, we'll get into the power rankings episode at some point after that. And then it's basically good to go. And we're actually moving along pretty quick this year. At least I feel like we're almost in April already. It's pretty wild. It was just this last season was a week ago. It felt like for me, this year's just going by really quick. It definitely flies by when you're having fun. Well, from Trent, Nick and Cole, thank you guys for joining us and we will see you in the next one. Hopefully the draft doesn't get postponed. Have a good one. See y'all later. Take care, boys. Cole, cue music.